What is going on, everybody? Welcome back, and we have hit a milestone episode. It is now number 20 of RizzoCast, and I am pleased to be joined here by Taylor Worth. He's a 49ers and Giants beat writer for SF Bay, uh, formerly of KMBR. You can follow him on Twitter at WirthTM, W-I-R-T-H-T-M. Taylor, what is going on? It's about time you had me on. I know, I know. I've been, you know what? I've been waiting for the right moment, and I figured 20 would be perfect, and here you are. So Okay, so you weren't dodging me? I was not dodging you. No, I had this, I had this all planned out. Um, So obviously, you know, the reason I started this podcast was I was bored as heck. It was COVID. Uh, It still is COVID, obviously. Um, And I was trying to figure out something to do, and I've talked to everybody on here, and I've asked the same questions and I'm going to ask you the same one. Have you picked up on anything new, like any new hobbies that you've kind of been um, going with through the COVID process? I know I've been reading a lot more. I've been trying to keep up with uh, some other sports. I've been doing a couple of things new. Uh, so what about you? Any, any new endeavors? Um, wow. And okay. Uh, I think probably for the most part, I've been reading more. I was reading before, but I definitely have set a goal for myself, at least two books a month. Um, that's not that big of a deal, but that's probably my number one goal that I've actively tried to incorporate into my life. Well, that's a good, that's a good answer. So we're on the same page. Uh, yeah. So you just got finished covering the Giants season as a beat writer uh, look, going into the season, their expectations, I mean, it was looking like they were going to be one of the worst teams in franchise history. And they ended up finishing with a record of 29 and 31. Uh, so, you know, what were your expectations heading into the season? Were they kind of around the, the common percep- perception of, oh, they're going to be horrible? Or did you kind of see this coming where they were going to kind of break out a little bit? Well, I think I can dig up multiple tweets of where I said the Giants are going to be a 500 team. I I stated that before the season. Um, I was pretty confident that they were going to be a completely average team. They weren't going to be a good team. They weren't going to be bad. Um, So that was my prediction heading into a 162-game season, let alone a 60-game season. So I think they're pretty much on par with what I thought. I do think, in a sense, they overperformed in terms of their offense and uh, where they were in the race uh, at the very end of the season, because 162 game season, you're not going to be fighting for a playoff spot on the last day of the season with a 500 record. So they definitely overperformed in that sense, but from a statistical standpoint, the record was exactly what I thought it would be. Awesome. So I I guess I met your, your goals and your expectations. Uh, What about some of the players that impressed you? Cause I know for me, um, I was impressed with a couple of guys, you know, Donovan Solano just wakes up every night or wakes up every morning and just hits, you know, finds barrel every time. Um, Guys like Drew Smiley was on the shelf for a lot of the year, but he impressed me. Of course, Kevin Gosman, who are some of the guys that impressed you uh, on this roster this year? I think the guys that really stood out were obviously Donovan Solano, um, Wilmer Flores, uh, Alex Dickerson, which we saw last year. Some of those guys on offense, they seemed as if if it were a 162-game season, they probably would have stayed consistent most of the year, and I think they would have put up numbers of that pace. Um, The pitching staff, obviously there's guys like Drew Smiley, um, Kevin Gosman, who had good years in comparison to 
what was going on and everyone else. But I don't know if they would have finished the season um, on such a high mark. They could have. It's just more hard. It's harder to tell just because with hitters, there's so many metrics and so many um, ways you can evaluate how they're performing, even in such a short amount of time that I think um, the, the, the one-year deal guys, the, uh, the smaller names that Farhan Zaidi brought in that had a really big impact were really the most impressive for me, in my opinion. No doubt. And it's going to be interesting to see if they retain those guys. Um, and yeah. of course, it seems like so long ago, the Giants hired Gabe Kapler, like November felt like, and I guess yeah. technically it, it is almost going to be a year that Gabe Kapler was hired. And that's kind of right. crazy to imagine. So how would you assess a year one of Gabe Kapler and his crew? Well, I, when they hired him, it was a completely different – it's a little bit of a different tone than it is now because I was at that uh, opening press conference where they, he, where they introduced him, and that, it was the most awkward press conference because the whole time they were just blasting him with questions about his past with the Dodgers and the controversy uh, surrounding things of his past. But it, it was – it got off to a rocky start. And in that press conference, he even acknowledged that it's going to probably get off to a rocky start in terms of um, how people view him. But I think, I think overall the narrative around Kapler and the the fans feelings about Kapler have, they've subsided a tiny bit. I still think there's a little bit of um, doubt there. I think there might be a little bit of animosity, but overall, I think, the fans recognize that he's not a horrible manager. He, there are some pluses to him, but there are some things that they still question. So I think uh, a full season will definitely answer a lot of those questions. But overall, I think you should be pleased with what you saw this year. Um, it, it, there, there are plenty of ups and downs, but overall, I think he outperformed people's initial expectations. Yeah, for sure. I agree with you. I think he did. Uh, and a lot of the people that, that were kind of against Kapler at the beginning were cheering him on towards the finish line and uh, how sure. he dealt with COVID and how he dealt with Black Lives Matter. So it's kind of uh, ironic. And I think he's emerged as this leader of a new era into, into a new era of Giants baseball. So I think that's a positive. Uh, and we saw Joey Bart come up this year. I think that's one of the big storylines. But another big storyline would be yeah. – next season how it works out because Buster Posey's coming back uh he's gonna play we'd imagine he's gonna play he's still got another year of pretty you know decent sized money coming towards him Brandon Belt just got off probably one of the best years um and I know it's like you mentioned earlier it's a small sample size but he had a stretch where he was one of the better hitters in the National League um and of course Joey Bart struggled a little bit you know hits the ball hard but wasn't getting the results some of the time so there's a three-headed monster there that you're going to have to deal with next year. What do you think that the Giants are going to do with those guys? Well, it all depends on if the the DH is around next year, which in my opinion, I hope it is. Um, some people disagree, but if it is, it does provide the Giants an option with catcher, first base, and DH for all three of those. You know, they each could have – you could flip-flop Joey Barton, Buster Posey, and then Brandon Belt can lock down first base, and you can move – Posey over there from time to time but if that's available then I think it makes it pretty easy to have all three and to utilize all three of those in that way um, but if not I think we could definitely see 
Bart starting in AAA just because the the at bats that will not be there for him if there isn't that DH available. Um, if you're going to bring a guy like Joey Bart up, you want to get him the, those at bats like he did this year. So it all depends on what's in place next year. Um, if he has a good camp, I think it's going to be really hard to not keep him away from the team for very long. So it, it all depends. And I think we'll find out pretty soon what's going to be in place. Yeah, for sure. We're still waiting for his first big league home run, by the way. Um, <laughs> so you did a lot of the home games at Oracle Park. Uh, one thing I noticed is the ballpark is playing completely different from what we've seen in the past. You know, it could be a difference. It could be a, a result of the heat wave we've had here in the Bay Area. It could be a result of those those uh, gates. Kind of, there's a barrier now in right field, uh, shading the fence, uh, and also maybe the baseball. So, what have you noticed? Have you kind of noticed the same things with the base? Are not with the baseball, but with the ball just flying out of Oracle Park. Yeah. Um, it's definitely a completely different park this year. Um, I think there were two changes that Farhan Zaidi mentioned in his uh, postseason press conference uh, yesterday, two days ago, where he said that obviously the right field walls, um, the one where fans can look through, there's they have those blocked off so the wind can't come through those and it's really restricting or it's not restricting, it's allowing the balls to fly out a little bit easier. And then he mentioned that in center field, they changed the batter's eye so that the pitters actually have a, um, I think it's, yeah, it's below the screen. And he mentioned that was something that um, a lot of hitters have come up to him uh, and talked about how that's actually helped them. And we've actually heard a lot of them in post-game Zoom press conferences that have actually mentioned that as well. So I think those two things and then maybe the new dimensions could help a little bit but I don't think all that much and then if you want to get into conspiracy theory then yeah I think maybe the balls could be uh, a little bit juiced but I think that's a conversation for a different day yeah it's a conversation for a different person and uh, Steve yeah Bruderman, we're talking to you um so let's talk off season off big picture here in the off season um you know, they're going to be, I, I mean, they're going to try to try and be competitive these next two years. You know, they have a top 10 farm system in the game now. What do you think they're going to try and target this year? You know, what positions, any specific needs do you think they have? Well, just the other day, Zaidi said that they're going to be looking at um, uh, starting pitchers, uh, a veteran bullpen piece, and then a left-handed hitter for the lineup, uh, preferably the top of the lineup to the middle of the lineup. So those are the pieces that they are going to look for. And they've always, every single year, well, the past few years, they've come out and said exactly what they're going to look for. So they lay out the groundwork ahead of time. And that's what they did this year. Um, and I think with them, they need to be careful to not go all in after this positive season. That was kind of a little bit of a mirage because of the 60 game season. So if they could be, they want to be competitive and I think they will be competitive and they'll add pieces to be competitive, but I, they really shouldn't go out and dish a bunch of money to, I don't, I haven't even looked at the free agent list this year, but whoever's a big name free agent, um, I still think they need to continue rebuilding and being smart and maybe getting rid of some of those big contracts. That would be ideal financially. Um, but I, I think that they should really toe the line between adding and being competitive and continuing their rebuild. Yeah, no, I, I haven't looked at the free agent market either. I mean, I, 
I, there's still time, you know, postseason baseball is underway. So we have some time there. Um, also shout out to propel for making the best drinks in the world. They have been amazing. And yeah, so just have to plug that in there. <laughs> yeah. Taylor. Doesn't I don't like endorse. No. Okay. Fair, fair enough. It's one sided here. Uh, so speaking of the uh, major league baseball postseason playoffs are underway. Um, do you have any World Series picks? Because I know for me personally, uh, at the beginning of the season, at the, even before COVID, I said that, you know, the Braves' Rays for me would be my matchup. But I didn't realize how good L.A. was. I didn't realize how good the Dodgers was uh, were. So, you know, I guess now it's kind of up to You didn't realize how good the Dodgers were? I didn't. So now I'm wearing a Padres shirt. So I don't know. You know, I like what they did, especially as we're recording this. Last night they had a big win. I'm conflicted. I know the people are shouting in the American League, the Yankees, the the White Sox. I don't know. Where's your head out in terms of World Series picks? Um, I mean, the past few years I've picked the Dodgers just because they've always been the best team, and I feel like at some point they're going to win it. So I'm going to continue to just ride that bandwagon until the wheels fall off yet again, um, which is entirely possible with them. but. I do think that the dot you you can't really. It's hard for me not to pick one of the best teams right now with the Dodgers or the Rays or, you know, the Astros. Obviously, don't have that regular season record and they struggle this year, but they have all that postseason success, especially lately. So that may come into play. Um, I don't know if I see the A's going far. Um, I, I do think the Braves can be one of those teams, but if I had to pick, I think it would be between the Dodgers and the Rays. That's yeah, I've seen that around. I've seen that thrown out there. So, would this be a World Series where you know you would say maybe there's an asterisk above it? Maybe you know it's abbreviated or some sort of or this or is this like you know maybe the other argument to that would be expanded postseason. It took a lot more to get in this year um, with the expanded wild card series. So is this is this legitimate or is this whoever wins the World Series maybe won't be recognized the same? Um, I, I think the, what I will do is I'll look at the, the teams that are in contention in this postseason, And I look at, you know, the Yankees, the Rays, the Astros, the A's, the Braves, the Cubs, um, the Cardinals, the Padres, those are all teams that I think probably would have been in anyway. Um, minus of course the Marlins, there's no way in hell they would have gotten them. Um, and then, you know, another one of those, who, who else is there? Um, yeah, I guess just the Marlins. But for the most part, it's a pretty competitive group that I think would have been there in the, no matter what. So if you go through the tournament style like they're doing, um, I don't know. I, I think that there's not a big asterisk, and I think that you can make the case for it being a legitimate World Series. But then at the same time, there's no fans. There's no home field advantage. So there's no jitters. There's no post-game, post-season um, you know, excitement. There's nothing – there's no nerves really to, I mean, there are nerves, but there's not the same kind of nerves, I guess, if you're playing in the postseason. So um, yes and no, I think for the most part, if you win this world series, you're going through an entire postseason of competitive play against really good teams. So I think it's deserving, but you can't help but look at it as kind of uh, a little bit fluky in a way. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so now we got the actual stuff on the field out of the way. Let's turn to the press box food. 
so I know Pressbox food, some people make a big deal out of it. Um, but what were they giving you guys? Just take us, take us inside the food that is served in the press box. I didn't know anyone was actually interested in this until <laughs> this year. Um, it, it was, they basically converted one of the, um, one of the, I think it was the doggy diner stand right behind to the left of the press box, uh, kind of behind home plate. They converted that to a press dining area where they had a, a roped off line that you stand in you go and you get your prepackaged food and you get a bunch of snacks or candy. And, um, it's a lot of the same snacks, but they have a different food item every day. And it was pretty good. Um, I've been treated to some pretty gourmet food and some press boxes. So com in comparison to that, it's not too great, but I guess some people really liked it more than others. <laughs> so what about the food at Levi's stadium, which is better Levi's stadium or Oracle park? Well, in a normal season, Levi's Stadium blows it out of the water just because they – it's a buffet in Levi's Stadium. I mean, it's its really, really good quality food, um, pretty much everything imaginable. Um, when you get there in the morning, there's an omelet buffet, but when you get there in the afternoon, there's a whole tri-tip cutting station. So it's really high class. Um, in a normal season for the Giants, they have a, a press dining room like up on the – fourth or fifth level where you're sitting it's like a cafeteria setting and you're sitting there with the broadcasters at their table so Kruk and Kipe and Dave and John are at one table and then everyone else is at different tables and it's a cramped little room but the food's okay um, but overall football definitely takes the cake and I think Warriors are probably number two and then probably Giants and then the A's are a very distant last <laughs> very distant last yeah I like that very distant last um, I guess football could afford it because they play once a week, and I mean that's kind of yeah, yeah. So, uh, speaking of football, uh, 49ers, you cover them too. Uh, so a tough week one loss to Arizona, uh, rough week two win with all the injuries they suffered, and a little bit of a bounce back in week three. So, what is kind of the outlook for this team moving forward? Well, I, I think. Moving forward, the majority of their injuries are people who are returning this year. So they'll, for the rest of the season, they'll be, for the most part, healthy. But I think the one looming injury is Nick Bosa, who's one of their best players and makes that defense runs through him. Um, I think without him, the defense will take a step back. But I think the team is still a playoff caliber team. Just like baseball, they have expanded postseason, so more teams will get in. Um, I don't see it as an issue for them making the playoffs. Are they a Super Bowl contender? I don't know. Will they win the Super Bowl? It's definitely more of an uphill battle than it is this year. So I think that the outlook is good. Um, they definitely, their, their uh, second string team definitely came in and did really well this week. And I think another week of that will, um, will pro propel them to a nice spot in the league in terms of playoff picture. So I think they, they'll be okay, but I think there's definitely, definitely going to be a step back from this team in this year compared to last year. Interesting. So let's get in that. Now your journalism career, how did you get involved with journalism? What was kind of, cause I love listening to everybody, all the media people that come on here, they always tell their stories about how they got in. Some people it's an accident. Some people wanted to do it. What about you? What's what's your journalism story? How'd you get into the industry? Well, I first started writing um, just 
basically as a blog boy, just blogging about baseball. Um, it, it was something that I thought I could definitely pursue. I think what really drew me to it at first was when I was, I don't know, like, I think when I was in high school and I first got really into following the trade deadline and the off-season move and the hot stove in general, I think that combined with social media and how digital news works really drew me to um, writing and covering sports. But then it, it kind of, it, it, I started out blogging and it definitely it was more of a hobby. And then it kind of took a next step when I got an internship with KMBR and I got to get some uh, experience on the ground and cover some games. And that's kind of when it really started to move quickly. And now I'm still working my way up. I'm still pretty much uh, lower on the totem pole than most people. So it's definitely uh, an uphill battle, but it's, I, I think it was a very unique path. I don't think that everyone's path is the same. Um, I started covering professional sports before I got a college degree. So it's, um, some people you need a college degree to really get that confidence and for employers to really see, you know, that, that level of dedication. But for some people you kind of get some nice breaks and you, you kind of luck out in a way kind of like I did and you take advantage of it and you, you just, you don't, don't stop. So that question uh, was also kind of echoed uh, celebrity waffle on Twitter wanted to know that. So hopefully that helps you out mm. celebrity waffle our, our good pal. Um, and I mean, I was, I remember when you were writing for armchair American, uh, which yeah, was, <laughs> I, I totally forgot about that website. Wow. Yeah. That that's a blast from the past. Um, for sure. Uh, so when you go to the, the, the stadium every day to, to cover um, sports, or at least this year, what were some of the COVID adjustments that you guys had to make compared to maybe recent years? Well, the, the process is we get to the stadium. Um, every morning we're texted a code of a survey we have to take. So when I wake up, I always take the survey. And then we go, we pick up our credential, which it's daily credentials. We don't get season credentials. So I have a stack of 35, 40 credentials from this year. Um, and then we go, they, uh, they do the temperature check. They ask us questions. We make sure we show them our screener on our phone. Um, and then we go into the press box and we're there for probably an hour before we eat our lunch or dinner. And then we kind of just, everyone's six feet apart. No one's really talking. Um, except some people talk more than others, whether you want them to or not. Um, and then there's, it, it's, it's definitely weird just because w when you're talking with a manager like Gabe Kapler, who's very serious, very scripted, very calculated, sometimes a little bit robotic talking to him over zoom. It really, um, it, it really makes him seem more robotic just because he's, it's such a weird environment. I hated the Zoom stuff. It, I'm used to being in the dugout pregame, uh, surrounded by Bruce Bochy, talking to him in a very relaxed baseball environment. Um, so this was definitely weird. And then after the game, I'm used to finishing my story as soon as the last out is recorded, running down to the clubhouse, talking to players for 20, 25 minutes or so, running back up, finishing up my story. And now it's just after the game, we sit there in the Zoom waiting room and we ask our questions, we log off, and then we just finish our story and we go home. And it's really, it took an adjustment just because 
it it, it kind of allowed writers, at least from my point of view, to kind of not have that same energy and same dedication towards um, really focusing and really hammering out those details just because it was such a, such a, an easy laid back kind of uh, post game setting that I'm not used to. So it it was kind of hard to stay focused at first, but overall it, it wasn't my favorite and it was kind of complicated. Just, I don't know how to put it. It was a pain in the ass really. Um, I, I really fell in love with what I was doing just because of the interactions with players and coaches that I had. So it was kind of hard to maintain that in a season where you don't get to talk to them face to face. And it was, uh, it wasn't that fun, but it was definitely something that I'll remember and something that I, uh, I guess will make you better as a journalist. And speaking of better as a journalist, everybody kind of has their own style. Um, so I'm going to head into the Twitter questions here. We got a few. Um, and Adam Bayboy wants to know, why do you have so many, familiar. why do you have so many dad jokes? So I'm going to clarify this. Why do you think that maybe humor, um, and you mentioned how Gabe Kapler was so robotic, uh, and calculated with his answers. Why do you think humor, uh, cause Grant Brisby makes a living out of, you know, entertaining and fun articles. How much does humor play a part in kind of what you do and kind of how to keep the interest level there for readers? I think who you are as a journalist is really, it really shows in your work because of who you read growing up and who you modeled your game, modeled your work after. And I think I definitely like to add a little bit of humor, a little bit of spice as much as I can while being professional and being, um, you know, on, on top of my stories. But I think it definitely, for me, I like to read something that's maybe a little bit funnier, a little bit looser, a little bit easier to read. So I I try and model that in my own work. So, um, yeah, to answer your question, that's probably where it comes from. It's really about who you got started, uh, reading and modeling your work after. Yeah, that's a good answer for sure. I think, uh, for me that, that kind of, makes sense because i read a lot of serious people i read a lot of not so serious people and it's a it's a pretty good blend so the next question we have somebody actually dm me this uh and you're gonna know which group of people dm me this when i read it but how do you eat your mac and cheese uh i can only (laughs) imagine what group of people ask this do you use a spoon Um, or do you use a fork i both i don't I think it depends on the type of mac and cheese. Um, I I don't really know. I think it's probably 50-50. Um, sometimes you want to scoop it and you want to inhale it, and sometimes you want to, you know, pick at it. I, I It depends on where I'm eating, what I'm eating, and I don't know. It's a really open-ended <laughs> question because it, it. I don't think people eat certain foods one way all the time, so I don't know both yeah this interview was going so well and i you know what <laughs> I, I know i should have i should do a better job with this but um and also jeff young our good friend jeff young who writes for around the foghorn wants to know how many jimmy g shirts do you own i think they just have one um i i think i donated one once it 
got really crappy, but I think I have one that uh, there was one day after the famous uh, feels great baby line against the Cardinals, he was selling shirts and um, I, I, I actually got one from the locker room um, from him that day. So it's a, it's a personally gifted shirt um, straight from the man himself. So that's probably the only one I have right now. And before we uh, take off here and wrap up, I have three rapid fire questions for you. Uh, if you oh, guys have watched that. intentional talk, then uh, maybe it's the same thing. I don't know, but I did this with Angelina Martin, the last Rizzo cast episode, and I'm going to do it here. I'm using the same site. So I'm going to go and pick one of these here. Um, what is your dream job? Uh, covering sports, covering professional sports in any capacity full-time. That, that's a good answer. Uh, yeah. Another one would be, if you could get yourself anything, what would you get? Uh, uh Man. Um, I would get myself my own my own uh my own house there we go get some stability in the life i like it yes uh and final question i'm just going to take this one because i know you're an office fan i just got finished watching the office uh might have been in early mid-september uh like yeah <laughs> i know you're a big office guy so what is your favorite moment from the office There's so many. It's like picking You're from a really asking me the yeah the really open ended questions. Um, I think my most favorite moment was probably the the season finale where uh, Michael surprised Dwight mm. at his wedding. I think that was probably because I remember watching that when I knew that the Office was about to go off the air, and I, I watched the Office on TV before it was on Netflix. So that was probably the one that really stuck with me just because it was actually kind of emotional for a show that's not emotional at all. So uh, I think definitely that one would be my favorite. What's yours? Oh, that's a good, I liked when uh, it's, a, it's another emotional moment, but when they sang the song to Michael, when he was about to leave. Oh yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, and from what I read, it was actually rehearsed uh, without Steve Carell there. So he didn't know. And you know, there's, yeah. I believe there's a couple moments uh, that are unscripted from the office where it's just kind of, uh, improv, uh, which I mean, all actors need to do at some point, but right. That was probably my favorite moment. That was That's really, a good one. Really cool. Taylor, thank you for coming on again. You guys could follow him on Twitter at worth TM W I R T H T M. I will link it in the description. He writes for the SF Bay. Uh, you could see his 49er coverage and giants coverage there. Thank you guys for watching. You guys can follow RizzoCast on Twitter and Instagram at RizzoCast. Again, thank you for watching and have a great day. Stay safe, everybody.